welcome back to Fulcrum Transmissions, a Star Wars podcast. Thank you for joining us this week. You can follow us on Twitter and TikTok at Fulcrum Pod and on Instagram at Fulcrum Podcast um, for previews and information about upcoming episodes. Hi, I'm Sage. Um, my pronouns are they, she, and you can find me on all social media at 5AG3, all spelled out with letters. My name is Claire and my pronouns are she, her. You can find me on TikTok and on Twitter at Claire Cruz. And welcome back from our very long Fulcrum Transmissions hiatus. I know you guys missed us and literally could not go a single day of your lives without being like, where are Claire and Sage with the Fulcrum Transmissions episodes? Um, Truth be told, Star Wars is so interesting sometimes. Um... And also there was a huge strike going on and also we have lives. So um, we are back though, and that is what matters. And we are here today with a revised version of our best and most favorite series of all time, Girl Boss of the Week. Um, This episode is gonna be about Ahsoka Tano, our beloved. There's been some things about Ahsoka Tano that have been happening uh, recently that we did not cover um again strike uh hiatus so we're just going to give an, a little overview of what we know about ahsoka and you could probably guess that we're going to be talking a lot about things that didn't happen in the ahsoka show but we'll get to it but we will be getting to it um so stay tuned for that because i know you guys missed claire and sage opinions on Star Wars TV shows. I know everyone's been dying to know what we thought of the Ahsoka series. (laughs) It's not like, yeah, it's, I mean, other than people who have our numbers who were like, what did you think about the episodes? No one knows. No one knows what we thought because we weren't even posting on Twitter. Wow. Could you imagine? I'm sure everyone can imagine what we thought about the show. Imagine though, this is someone's first episode of Fulcrum Transmissions. My welcome. Hi, welcome. Yeah, they saw the rebranding and they're like, this looks like a good podcast. Actually, it's about two people who hate Star Wars. Yeah. I'm just saying. We love Ahsoka Tano. We so love Ahsoka Tano. And we love Star Wars too, most of the time. Some legal reason. Percentage of the time. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Girl Boss of the Week is a series where we talk about a woman character in Star Wars. We talk about women because often the Star Wars fandom uh, either misinterprets their characters or sexualizes them or just pretends they don't exist at all. Um, Not the case for Ahsoka Tano. She got a whole show, but let's, we'll talk about it. Let's talk about Ahsoka Tano um, and her story and why it matters to people including us. Do you want to start? Should we start with Ahsoka Tano's birth? We have a lot of information about Ahsoka. But yeah, her first chronological appearance is in Tales of the Jedi, which was a television show um, that we did talk about. For sure, we talked about it. Um, (laughs) But this not be linking the show in the description because... (laughs) Yeah, if you want to go find that, be my guest, but we will not be guiding you to it. Um, but 
I actually, I shouldn't say that though, because the Ahsoka, baby Ahsoka episode actually slayed. I loved her. And basically my memory of this episode is super foggy because I think I watched it one time, but we learn about because Ahsoka. Because you blacked out during the I, entire yeah. <laughs> I actually had my memory erased after Dale's the um, but we learned about Ahsoka's mother, which is very cool because we love mothers in Star Wars. And we love mothers in Star Wars, especially ones that don't die. And there aren't a lot of them. All of them are either dead or evil or evil and, and also dead. So, Which there's no problem with an evil mother. We love evil mothers. So true. In fiction. We just don't love when Star Wars does that because it's not good. <laughs> We don't love when there is exclusively evil mothers. Um, Mothers come in all shapes, sizes, and spectrums of evilness. Yes. And Ahsoka's mother is not evil or dead. Um, I mean, we don't really know what happens to her later on, but we're going to not think about it. Don't be giving ideas. Dave Floney, if you're listening, don't. Don't listen. (laughs) Um, Get off. <laughs> this is your this is your warning. Turn the episode off. Um, but yeah, Ahsoka's mother is so slay, and she is from uh, the planet is Shili, the Tegruda planet. Tegruda is the species. Wow, yeah, this is so embarrassing. I know how it's spelled S H I L L I, but I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Um. Anyway, <laughs> imagine if I knew anything about Star Wars. Um, but Ahsoka and her mother are from this like small village and her mother is a hunter and she hunts. I don't know why I needed to elaborate on that. <laughs> Just in case you don't know what a hunter is. It's someone who hunters. So hey, people could think we're talking about Hunter Bad Batch. Don't want to talk about him. <laughs> God, the Bad Batch. Anyway. <laughs> this is such a mess um welcome back to fulcrum transmissions <laughs> but the point is the point is at least to me i think for ahsoka's character it is very important that she grew up in such a tight-knit community because the jedi order also in many ways is a very tight-knit community and like depending on the jedi some of them lean more or less into that like some jedi kind of prefer to work on their own and some like ahsoka really enjoy the community aspect of the Jedi Order and like forging connections with other Jedi even though it's you know like attachments are not allowed but you're still supposed to care about other Jedi and she obviously very much does and I think a big part of that comes from like how she was raised and she was raised in such a like positive and nurturing environment and so I think that as a Jedi when you're like taken from your home not in like a hostile way but like you are a young child being brought to a planet where you don't know anyone um and so it's very important and I think especially for her to sort of latch on to like her her like friendship with the other younglings and then as she gets older like her friends in the order and obviously Anakin is her master and then like going forward all the other people we know that she interacts with throughout her life um but I do think a lot of that stems from her upbringing and so I think that 
seeing it in this episode and seeing like what the actual community was like for her before she became a Jedi really informs a lot of like why her character is the way that she is going forward. And we know that um, the Jedi, while they're not supposed to, you know, contact their families or have any attachment to their families, they can still be in connection with their culture. Um, Many Jedi do. And we see that with Ahsoka, especially, unfortunately, it is the episode where the Togrudas are slaves, um, that she's like, I will save my people. Okay, as you should, but also what if we showed that connection to her um, heritage and to her people in a different way? That is in the Clone Wars, um, which is what we'll get to, but yeah, she she remains connected to the to that part of herself, um, and that is really special. That's really important. Next, we have oh, also actually, what I was gonna say was Ahsoka was is one of the oldest younglings to be taken in by the Jedi. I think she was like four years old when she was taken in. Um, which compared to Anakin Skywalker, who was taken in at 10, that's nothing. But I mean, even Obi-Wan, who was taken in at like three or four or whatever, people were like, he's too old. Okay. Um, but yeah, so she probably does have memories of her of her upbringing, unlike many Jedi who don't remember anything. We also know that she was found by Plo Koon, um, my best friend, and they actually were like, we didn't see a ton of the two of them together in the Clone Wars, but when they did, they definitely still have this bond that obviously started with him being the one to like bring her into the order. And even though he is not like her designated master, he still really looks out for her and is like a mentor figure to her and someone that she confides in, um, even like as she goes on to be a Padawan and moving forward. Um, which again makes sense because like he is the first Jedi she ever had any sort of experience with. And it was obviously a positive experience because Plo Koon is awesome. Um, and so I think that that relationship too is really important and is one that like doesn't get a ton of focus, but when it does, yeah, I really like that for her character. Yeah, the first time we um, find out, I feel like I'm being so negative. I'm really not. This is just how I talk. The fir- I'm being analytical. The first time we actually knew, it was told to us that um, Plo Koon found Ahsoka is when <laughs> she's looking for him after he's like lost in space in the Clone Wars and everyone thinks that he's dead. And she's like, I know he's not dead because I have a connection to him. He found me. <laughs> on my home planet and took me to the temple I would know if he's dead like that is so dramatic she's like 14 years old <laughs> um I just think that's funny I'm sorry funny in like a horrible way not funny in a laughable way um uh, but yeah um uh, moving on Ahsoka begins her training as as a regular youngling um and then this thing called the Clone Wars happens big, big war, big galactic war. It's really awful. Um, And so younglings then get kind of fast-tracked to being Padawans, um, including Ahsoka. 
and she is given to Anakin Skywalker. Um, and she's actually kind of given to Anakin Skywalker as a as a Padawan as like an experiment, which is so messed up. They were like, here's this really like overeager, like very energetic um child. We're gonna give we're gonna give her to Anakin to so he can work on his issues through her see guys we were set up we were set up we were like let's talk about ahsoka tano and you gave the you gave that storyline for us to dissect we can't we can't be doing this um anyways love her love her dearly love the clone wars i really do yeah that's what happened and then she is at first not someone who anakin wants to be around shocker um and then he's kind of like wait you're kind of like me shocker that was the whole point um and then and then you know and then it goes crazy everything goes to shit yeah ahsoka becoming at at, oh my gosh anakin's padawan um Purely because Yoda is like, I'm going to stick you with a Padawan who you will find very difficult to work with just so that you can learn a lesson about like being a mentor. And it's like, okay, yeah, maybe Anakin absolutely did need to learn that lesson. But like, what about Ahsoka's training? Like, she's a 14 year old child. Why are you supposed to be? No, who's supposed to be training to be a Jedi, first of all, not a soldier, Mm -hmm. which is actually what like, really messes her up for the rest of her life as we now know yep yeah she literally is like trained on the battlefield like the proportion of scenes with her and Anakin fighting in a literal war versus them like in a training room on Coruscant are like not at all even remotely close they are like constantly on the battlefield And even when we do see them getting a moment to, like, actually train, it's still, like, I'm going to teach you how to defend yourself in, like, X, Y, or Z military situation and not how to, like, I don't know, be a defender of the peace like Jedi are supposed to be doing. Yeah, yeah. And I get that it's, like, wartime and that's, like, what, like, was necessary for that time and to train people for, but, um... High Republic mentioned number one. We now know what it's actually like to train as a as a Padawan um, in a time where there is no war happening, and it's so starkly different that it's almost like pathetic. It was like I look back at Ahsoka's training and just like sigh. I'm just like that is really awful that she was put through that much trauma in that short of time. The Clone Wars were only two and a half years. Okay. Um, yeah, that's that's messed up. Anyways, um and then, you know, we get um do we want to talk about some pivotal moments in the Clone Wars? The one other thing I wanted to say about her training is actually from the second Ahsoka Tales of the Jedi episode when she's being trained to like fight against the clones basically and it's made as a connection to be like this is how she survived order 66 because she like was trained in those circumstances but it's still like this is not the training that she's supposed to be receiving and I get the point 
that like Anakin is trying to make, which is like, if you can defend yourself against like our own soldiers who are like very, very capable, then you can survive anything. But, and like, okay, ultimately, yeah, she did survive those exact same soldiers literally trying to kill her. But like, it's still a like battle situation and not like, let's practice lightsaber forms. Let's practice like how to connect with the force. Like any of the like, really like rudimentary things that Jedi are supposed to be able to do it's always like okay but if you were like thrown into a battle right now what would be happening and I just like yeah it makes me so sad and I constantly constantly think about like what if Ahsoka had been trained in a different era like the High Republic when she could have actually gotten that like true what it means to be a Jedi training um and I get sad whenever I think about that. So I can't do it too much. Sorry, I think about Jesse. I'm thinking about Jesse. I'm thinking about Jesse. I literally We're- was also thinking about Jesse. And I was like, I can't do it. We can't be thinking about Jesse right now. It's too early for Jesse. I can't think about clones right now. Actually, I can't think about the 501st right now. I, yeah. Jesse. Maybe we should do a Clone Wars re- rewatch. I think that would be so fun. Well, there's no I shows coming out. I want to do a Clone Wars rewatch, but I never like motivate myself to do it. We should, we could do that. We could turn it into a Clone Wars rewatch podcast. You know what? That would slay because I have so much to say about the Clone I haven't, Wars. I haven't watched it in full since like maybe 2020. I maybe think 20. I, yeah, I think I only watched it like truly in full one time. Yeah. When I watched it. And then when I have rewatched it since, it's been like very boiled down, like only. I think there's actually some Clone Wars episodes that I haven't seen still. Everything in season six. Yeah. That's so anything, cool. anything that's not the the arc with fives no, after that it's like I don't need to watch this anymore <laughs> I think I have watched every episode I think I was like I am going to watch every single episode the first time I watched it and like yeah it must have been like 2020 but not since yeah <laughs> I still haven't seen the the one where Jar Jar kisses another Gungan that's the one I was thinking of when I was like I made myself watch every episode nope haven't watched it won't watch it well I guess now I'm gonna have to watch it if we do that but um, hour-long analysis of the episode of just that one scene (laughs) we pick it apart frame by frame (laughs) our our like viewership just dropped (laughs) at least 85 (laughs) percent unsubscribe (laughs) I was like please don't do that um moving on we moving on from Azoga's training (sighs) wow we get into the actual Clone Wars um pivotal moments for her I would say I'm trying to think what happened in the Clone Wars um what comes to mind early on for me yeah. is I think it's literally her very first battle that she is like commanding in and basically her entire squad gets killed yeah yeah that was rough mm-hmm. um yeah and then Rex is like we're still gonna follow you even though you even though you messed up you just have to be better next time like we trust you and we will continue to trust you and and then me me because I'm literally awful and horrible half of me is like I don't like how did not more clones go a wall no seriously like I like no disrespect to Ahsoka or like any other Jedi Padawan but if I was like if I was a clone and they were like here's this like 14 year old who has never been in a battle before who is now your commanding officer I would be like I'm out of here 
I'd be like, I'm sorry, this is not what I signed up for. I didn't sign up for any of this, but this is really not what I said. <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah. Anyways, and then I would say that, and then um, what happened early on? I I want to say Ambara, but she wasn't there. Oh oh oh! My favorite episode, the, or my favorite arc, the Geonosis arc. Oh my gosh! Yeah, with Ambara. That was literally okay. I still I think I rewatched that arc like a good dozen times. It is so good. Um that is when she first like has a friend her own age, uh Barris Offy. Huge. <laughs> love. They were definitely looking at each other with very longing gay stares. The yeah, entire absolutely. Arc. Um and then, you know. A entire droid factory like fell on them and they were like b- being buried alive and Barris was like we have to give up we're gonna be one with the force and in the circle was like girl oh I don't do that I don't do that I don't give up like that um and then she was found and th- that's the thing that is something that I think is a one of the takeaways of Ahsoka's character is that she is very determined in anything that she sets her mind to she's gonna do um, which is one of which is probably my favorite quality of hers. Um, but yeah, that was a great. And then and then they all get infected with those worm things. Ugh, those oh, things are so wow. nasty. Literally, yeah, about to give me nightmares the first time. Really disgusting. That. It's really Magnus archives coded when you really think it. <laughs> we can't start. We can't start this. Um, anyways, yeah, and then. Um, I don't know. I don't remember how to talk about TV anymore. <laughs> no, literally, I'm like, I'm my my like analysis skills are rusty. Um, I do, yeah, I agree on the determination thing. I think also that that sometimes like manifests itself in her being stubborn, which I also love because that's like a big part of her character, and it's something that like. It's frustrates yeah. Anakin to no end because he's also very stubborn and I actually love that about their dynamic where it's like that neither one of them is just gonna like back down and be like okay whatever like they're gonna stand very firmly in what they think is right and because of that they do disagree a good number of times but right. I think that that is also important because there's not like one right way to be a Jedi and there's not one like right thing to do all the time especially in a war like they are making really tough decisions all of the time and they don't always agree on the proper course of action but Ahsoka's never just going to be like oh, okay whatever you say just because she's technically the student like she is going to talk back to him and be like no actually you're stupid um and I love that real as she should, as she should. As she should. she's also um, I think that's also like a a really important characteristic to have in a teenager character like yeah a 14 year old is going to be like that that's just 14 year old girl that's the craziest you could ever be is 14 and a girl they got that they got one thing right it was that um yeah and then I would say moving along this slave arc guys why why do we do this over and over again it is so bad we need to put an end to the slavery arcs when they are not there to 
make commentary about colonization. Like that arc, that whole arc, it would, what is really crazy to me, and now we're just talking about the arc, is <laughs> that the the whole arc and what are those what are those species called the zygarians zygarians yeah that's the arc that i'm talking about um the tagrutas are kidnapped and sold into slavery and then ahsoka is like these are my people i'm gonna save them but then the disaster lineage has this like really awful plan for Anakin to go undercover as a slave master. Let's all remind everybody, Anakin Skywalker was a slave for the first 10 years of his life. Um, no, we should not be doing that. Anyways, then they made the entire arc basically be like, oh, Anakin is dealing with his you know, past and his, like, really horrible trauma from being a slave and now, like, he's a Jedi and is a quote-unquote slave to the Republic. Um, and they made the whole, <laughs> they made that entire, like, four-episode arc about him when Ahsoka was literally the one who was, like, pretending to be the slave, was undercover as a slave while her people were enslaved, you guys. No, and it's so bad, too, because, yeah, Anakin's doing all that. Obi-Wan and Rex are the ones who actually free the slaves, and Ahsoka is just, like, in a literal cage the entire time. And then, wait, can we talk? Yeah, they're the ones who free the slaves, and then Anakin- Oh, wait, no, maybe I lied. Doesn't Anakin kill somebody in this arc? Does like, he kill that lady? The one who, like- is like, I think yeah like the 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 like queen or whatever <laughs> doesn't he like Probably. choke her out I think so something yeah I think he does kill her it's so dark you guys it yeah, is so is dark wild 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 yeah um, it's really amazing that Ahsoka made it to the place where she's at now <laughs> how did she not die <laughs> no literally um yeah that arc wow I just I can't older (laughs) she gets older after that Mm -hmm. and then she gets she stops wearing a tube top thank god finally (laughs) um but she then does get framed for bombing the Jedi temple oh here we go oh here we go who actually bombed the Jedi temple Claire Okay, so basically Ahsoka gets framed by, remember how we were talking about her friend, Varys Afi, her only friend that's her age? Um, and also a woman. The Jedi Temple, which is a problem. <laughs> so many levels. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, in terms of Ahsoka's character here, she it's crazy how, like, every arc that revolves around her is so problematic. And somehow Ahsoka, like, fights through it all. I'm like, girl, how did you become the character that you are when you are, like, constantly fighting for your life, trying to dodge these, like, horribly problematic tropes? But wait, can I just, can we just, can we just remember when, pause, I have to remember, I have to make sure that it's not, that I'm not lying out of my ass right now. 
Can we just remember that Karen Travis wrote the 2008 Clone Wars novelization um, of the Clone Wars movie? And in that said that Ahsoka Tano, because she's a Togruta, eats rats. It's so I'm going to be real. Like I, like, I know that quote, times change, quote unquote. That was 2008. I'm like, they have not changed that much that was 2008 that was that was not i mean claire was a baby but i wasn't <laughs> yeah no, oh my god that's fucking wild also like girl no part of that was anywhere in that movie like just no, literally it was so out of pocket i remember reading that and being like huh what <laughs> like that movie had enough wild shit going on you did not need to be doing all that like the whole movie's about them rescuing job of the huts like son Son, yeah, Rada. He, oh, you know what? I'm Stinky. a Rada. He's just a baby. He's a baby. Stinky. That movie was wild. <laughs> the movie was insane. I love it so much. We'll do a review of the Clone Wars movie first. I really should. I could talk about that movie. <laughs> um, T. And then moving moving back to the whole getting framed for bombing the temple kind of thing um Ahsoka obviously didn't do it who does she get help from Asajj Ventress former Sith acolyte um so so true of her she kind of like realized that she was not aligned with Dooku and the separatists and all that because Dooku literally like sold her out and almost like killed her there's a lot going on there. Um, we'll link our Asajj Ventress episode in the show notes. Um, but yeah, she helps Ahsoka out uh, because she's like, I know what it feels like to be betrayed. Um, which is what Ahsoka was. Betrayed. And then Padme Amidala is her lawyer because of course Padme Amidala has a degree in law. Um she has a degree in everything she's perfect but this isn't about her um ahsoka gets uh i don't know what it's called when you are not convicted of a crime but she she does not get convicted of the crime because there's uh evidence that it was barris offy and by evidence i mean that anakin skywalker dueled her dueled this child in a lightsaber battle and then forced her to confess and then she did confess to the um entire courtroom and she was right she was right the thing with this arc is that everything Barris Offy says is true she literally is like I acted out because the Jedi are supposed to be defending the peace and yet we are fighting in a war and killing people across the galaxy um yeah yep she she's like completely right should she have killed people no but it didn't work because Palpatine was too powerful by then and propaganda and it's almost like Star Wars is political no, that cannot be true. I, I I think it might actually this is be about politics. Star Wars is not political. Um, until they made a trilogy with a woman as the main character. Oh, and all of a sudden, right, right. Yeah. 
I forgot that. Yeah, I forgot about that. Well, it's all it's all Kathleen Kennedy, right? Absolutely. It's all Kathleen Kennedy and her woke agenda. Thank you. I think we should be, I think we should turn into the like Star Wars guys on the internet, like on YouTube. Imagine if we just released an episode for the first time in months and we're like, Kathleen Kennedy is destroying Star Wars <laughs> with her woke agenda. We should, we should, oh my God, that would be so funny. Can we have a dude bro podcast episode where we pretend we're dude bros for an, an hour and a half? <laughs> oh my God. I feel like that would actually be so therapeutic. I agree. I think that would heal something in me. Oh, wow. Anyways, yeah. But after, even after they're like, oh, Ahsoka, sorry. We we thought you did that, but you didn't. Um, Ahsoka was like, okay, well, I'm not coming back to the Jedi Order because you guys did not believe in me, even though you had literally no reason to think I would do this. You had no faith in me. Um and I just can't be here anymore. So valid of her. And then she left. And then she left. Um, which she should have done. And it ultimately saved her life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it was really sad. I think I cried for like hours. Yeah, I sobbed the first time. Oh. I, was I was like, what do you mean you're leaving? What do you mean? You want to be a Jedi. Also, the way she kind of calls Anakin out because he's like, I believed in you. And she's like, yeah, but what did you actually do to help me when I was actively being framed for this? Nothing. 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 You did nothing. Oh, man. Yeah, it's so dark. Once again, woman in need, man does nothing. Yep. Just saying. Anyways. um, So then she leaves. She leaves the order and she goes on her own for what is really only like maybe a month or two yeah it's really not that long it feels longer because there's like a whole season six in between when like she leaves the order and then when we see her again and she's like saying outside of the order but actually all that stuff kind of happens like like things are things are moving quickly at that point she did however miss the entire conspiracy arc um (laughs) which if she hadn't well things would have gone down um but yeah that that definitely happened um and then she comes back and during the time that she was gone she met some cool girls the martez sisters Uh, on this podcast we are martez sister stands I will literally never get tired of defending the Martez sisters arc to people who say that it's boring because I'm like it's almost like it's developing Ahsoka's character and the person she is at the beginning and end of that arc is like such a huge leap and the amount of character development she goes through in just that arc is pivotal to her character and people are like it's boring okay okay I I can't that they weren't that there weren't more like giant space battles yeah, sorry there were like like super lightsaber battles, and sorry that like there were no men in those arcs. Um, but you have three girls running around doing things for themselves, um, and helping people, and that's really important. And also, what were we just talking about at the beginning of this episode? Community and how it's important to Ahsoka. Um, and it's so crazy that everywhere Ahsoka goes, throughout her entire life, she finds community um it actually ends up being her job where she um builds community between rebel cells 
That's it's crazy. Like, and it's like, so it like it goes both ways too because part of it is her like she feels better when she has people around who, who care about her. And part of it is that like people are comforted by her and people like to be around her and she creates like positive environments for people. Like the Martez sisters have been fending for themselves basically their entire lives and they also actively distrust Jedi and by the end of this arc they're like totally besties and also Trace is Ahsoka's girlfriend um yeah all because of the kind of person that Ahsoka is and it's not because she sits there being like the Jedi aren't so bad blah 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 it's because of her actual actions and the things that she does to protect them even though she doesn't really know them that well And she has, like, a lasting impact on the sisters, too. Mm -hmm. They go on to continue helping the, like, early, early rebellion. Like, that first year of Imperial Reign, they're networking with Rex, who is one of the first rebels, basically, um, against the Empire. And then she helps Hunter Badbatch. Remember when that episode came out with Rafa and Hunter Badbatch? Yeah, actually. And I'll say it again yeah yeah okay Okay. not to talk about that not talk about that show um (laughs) um but yeah so martez sisters are so great so awesome we stand um and that ultimately leads her back to the jedi um she realizes some stuff um about herself and then uh next thing we know she's going back to be fight fighting in mandalore and bad things happen so yeah basically at this point she's approached by bo-katan Kreese, my beloved oh, right i forgot um, that happened who's like <laughs> hey we really need your help she i think she says exactly like you and i have a common enemy and it's darth maul um which is interesting because at that point like ahsoka is not a part of the Jedi Order, so she fully could have just been like, this has nothing to do with me, but we know she's not that kind of person, and when someone asks for her help, she's going to help them. So she goes back to the Jedi and basically helps Bo-Katan convince them to send a squad out to Mandalore to help save the Mandalorians, because their planet has been taken over by Darth Maul, um, who is very evil, and they really don't want to be in charge of their planet, um, and then there's a huge war on Mandalore. Um, I missed something in there for sure. Is Star Wars political? <laughs> I can't. Um, I don't think. Oh, well, what you missed is that um, she actually sees Anakin again. Yeah, she does. She um, leaves. Because basically the Republic is like, no. Um, we have to go save Palpatine because he's doing the plot of Revenge of the Sith. Um, And so then they basically split the 501st and promote Rex to a commander um, and send them with Ahsoka to Mandalore to help out there. Um, Which is kind of crazy because Ahsoka's like on Mandalore while Anakin is like actively turning to the dark side, Um, which I think about a lot. But she fights Darth Maul and slays she's a 17 year old and she like totally beats his ass as she should she is so iconic what happened and now i can picture now i can picture ariana greenblatt's face as that and it just 
<laughs> oh my god I love her I'm such an Ariana stan I love her so much anyways um yeah super great fight scenes the siege of Mandalore is one of the prettiest arcs ever one of the prettiest like shots in Star Wars ever um just so good and then they get back on that Venator and um that's when Order 66 happens that is when the clones get their brains flipped um by Emperor Palpatine and they all turn against Ahsoka um not by choice we know but it still happens um and Rex is able to actually like hold his ground because he knows about it like he knows that it's actively happening to him still can't control the fact that it happens but he can for a split second be like you need to find out what happened to fives who was in the conspiracy arc that Ahsoka missed because she left um and then and then she finds out what happens to five fives and then and then you know what she you know what happens she teams up with the coolest fucking droids ever (laughs) and just gets to like oh no one ever talks about those guys no one ever talks about those guys um and they were true like they would not have made it off that ship if it weren't for them genuinely and truly nothing nothing that ever nothing good that has ever happened in star wars has happened without a droid present so let's just think about that um mull over that when you go to sleep tonight um anyways i do every night actually i think about it every single day um but that's not we're talking about um ahsoka finds rex and then she um takes his brain chip out uh and then he's like i'm okay now and then it's them against the entire 330 second yeah yeah oh oh wow it's really dark it's really dark um the venator goes down because maul escapes and by escapes i mean ahsoka let him out um and then he ruins the engines the hyperspace engines and of the venator and it goes down and it lands on uh, a moon that i don't remember the name of um and then they all die except for ahsoka and rex everyone dies we're talking hundreds um and ahsoka and rex bury them all individually they must have been there four days anyways it's really messed up and awful um yeah I have to to think back because I like obviously I think a something that becomes a big part of Ahsoka's character is like guilt because of all the people she has watched die even though like we know that like a lot of these situations there's nothing she could have done but they split the 501st and basically entrusted her with this whole squadron of clones and they all die and again like obviously that is not her fault but like she thinks it is and she has to literally bury them all and then her and rex who is literally the one person she has left because at this point she just assumes anakin is dead and doesn't really know that he like became darth vader 
Um, but Lex, Lex, Rex is basically the only person she has left at this point, and they have to go their separate ways because it's like truly not safe for them to stay together because they're a Jedi and a clone who did not or who did but is no longer under the effects of Order 66. So they're both like top of the Empire's most wanted list. And so they have to literally pretend to be dead and like say goodbye to each other. And they do not see each other again for a long time. And I hate that for them. Um, because like, like I said, he's literally the last person she has left at that point. And she has to go off completely on her own. And mind you, she is still only 17 years old and has just gone through a war and losing literally everyone that she cares about and now has to like start a new life for herself completely on her own oh but she's also wanted by the empire and can't like use the force do anything that she like that connects her to the force because it's too dangerous and her entire identity has been like stripped away from her because she's no longer a Jedi she can no longer even like reach out through the forest because there's a risk of like inquisitors and everyone who's hunting her down sensing that and so like literally and she also like has been fighting in a war this whole time and before that was like being trained as a Jedi as a youngling and then as a Padawan like that is really all that she has ever known and now she's in this place where she's like there's really nothing for me to be doing here because she can't like fight the empire all by herself and even though there is like organized rebel activity from basically day one she can't really be a part of any of that because she's too busy like trying not to get caught and killed by the whole empire actively hunting down every former jedi um and so yeah this is really like obviously a very dark time for her um but like it's just so devastating to think about like where she is left off at the end of the clone wars and the fact that she doesn't have anyone around to like help her get through that because it's like there isn't anyone left from her old life other than Rex who she literally cannot be with because it would endanger both of their lives. So in conclusion, Ahsoka's story is really sad. Um, I will cry if I think too hard about it or if I think too hard about the last arc of the Clone Wars because like I yeah it's like seared into my brain so we have we have to move on. <laughs> okay that entire time I was looking trying to find how much in it is um in a division because that's what the 332nd is is a division and um it is a division is made up of four legions this is in this is Star Wars canon by the way not just regular army shit <laughs> and in four legions do you want to give a guess uh or which is one division want to give a guess how many clone troopers that is Oh, I don't want to know. In a, in one division, there are thirty six thousand eight hundred and sixty four troopers. What? Yeah, because the five hundred first is a sector army, right? Or no? Or is the five hundred first a battalion? That doesn't make sense. Legion five hundred first Legion. Okay, wait. Actually, I think I lied. I think I lied because this is that a legion is only four regiments 
which is 9,216 troopers. So would it make sense that the five or that whatever is more than that? But it does. Oh, it says that division is not in division. You can't like actually click on, you know, how you can click on the links. So maybe that's just a guess. Subunits 332nd company. I don't know what that means. <laughs> oh, wait, it's a company. Does it say that? Okay, wait, wait. Okay, on. so they're a company within the 332nd division, uh, informally known as Ahsoka's clone troopers. So I'm guessing that's... Okay, so a company in Star Wars is four platoons, which is 144 troopers. And that is led by a captain and a lieutenant. But then why would Rex be commander? And I think, like, we have to make Rex a commander in order for them to go with her because she's not a commander anymore. Because for it to be a commander, uh, it would have to be a battalion, which is four companies, which is 576 troopers, which sounds more. Yeah. I think that they just pull anything out of their ass and we're like, and are like, yeah, that, that works. In conclusion, canon, right? <laughs> I love how there's, I love how there's some things where like, who cares if that's like, canon or like the continuity is there and then there's some things that were like i can't believe that they just don't care about the canon and the continuity oh. anymore oh my god no better than the men <laughs> we are i'm no better than a man when it comes to star wars things <laughs> getting upset over random things in the star wars canon that <laughs> oh, don't actually matter no no this does not matter at all we're supposed to be talking about ahsoka Anyway, point is, uh, a lot of people died, and it was very tragic. Okay, well, we are actually at Claire's favorite part in Ahsoka's in Ahsoka's life, the Ahsoka novel. This is true. Um, which I wrote, by the way. If you if you didn't know, I wrote the Ahsoka novel. Um, yeah, I'm actually I'm a published Star Wars author. Surprise! author. Oh my god! Congratulations. <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, but yeah, at this point in her story, um, Ahsoka is, it's about a year after the Clone Wars and she's kind of just been like moving from planet to planet, trying not to get killed for being a former Jedi. Um, and she ends up on this little farming moon called Raida where she meets her girlfriend, Caden Lardy and her sister, Miara Lardy. But anyway this isn't about them but like it is about them to me always um but the point of the book in a larger sense is that she um has to basically like she uses her she uses her force abilities to save someone and then she's like okay i have to leave because i'm gonna endanger the people here by staying but then the empire like occupies right and she's like shoot i have to help these people um and in the midst of all this, she runs into Bail Organa, who I also love so much. Um, and he is like, girl, I am starting a rebellion. Do you want to help? And at first she's like, I don't know, because like I, and he like refers to her as a Jedi. And she's like, I'm not a Jedi anymore. And he says this line to her that I love so much where he's like, if you're not a Jedi, then what are you? Because you still kind of seem like, or like, I don't remember what the exact line is. And I'm not going to do it justice, but it's something about how like, because you sound a lot like a Jedi to me in like in like the kind of person she is. And then she like saves people of Raida. Um 
but unfortunately their planet is like it's over like or like the planet is like still there but it is a farming moon and they can no longer farm on it so they kind of have to leave um but at that point she is like okay Vale Organa I will join the rebellion but huge huge highlight bolded I am not going to be a soldier I am going to be like an organizer and this is how she becomes fulcrum and her job is to connect various rebel cells and help them organize into one larger rebellion that is ultimately going to be able to defeat the empire um if you watch tales of the jedi you might be confused because in tales of the jedi she's like i'm ready to get back in the fight and i'm like no that's not that's not it um which is why it made me so angry um because I love that she's like, yeah, no, after literally like spending a good chunk of my childhood fighting in a war, I would not like to do that again. But I still care about this cause and I still think the Empire needs to go. And there is a way, and like we talked about earlier with building communities, that's exactly what Fulcrum does. And it becomes this like wider network of Fulcrum agents from where like she was the first one, but then there are many others who are doing the same thing, who are like organizing, who are relaying information and who are like helping the rebellion to be one cohesive unit as opposed to like individual rebel cells that are doing good and important work. But like in order to actually fight the empire as a whole, they have to organize into what becomes the rebel alliance. And she is a part of that organization from very, very early on. Um, and yeah, I... I can't, I can't talk about Tales of the Jedi, but it makes me so mad. <laughs> Moving on. Um, Ahsoka, Ahsoka continues to be fulcrum for a hot minute. Um, and one of the rebel cells that she connects is the Phoenix Squadron. And that is uh, the, rebels, the Rebels TV show cell um, with Harrison Dula, who's in charge. She's the captain and she's perfect. Uh, and I'm obsessed with her okay we can't talk about her if we talk about Harrison Dula we will be here all night um so we won't but she in in that cell rebel cell is also Kanan Jarrus who is an ex-Jedi who survived Order 66 um he is a little bit younger than Ahsoka but remembers Order 66 and this is possibly one of the only jedi that she meets during that time Mm -hmm. um in her life and i think that's really important to her and i wish we got a little bit more of that like exploration um with of that dynamic but it does you know give us some sense of how ahsoka like views herself as a jedi um she's kind of still in this like in-between state she's like i'm not a jedi but she like follows so many jedi like ways she was doing that though before she even joined the order she building community using the force for good like these are all like traits of the jedi um that she will never get rid of because that is just who she is um it's just not like an organized religion anymore um and so she's conflicted also she like witnessed the like genocide of her people do you think star wars is political 
I'm sorry, I'll stop saying it now. Um, and then she dies. Yep, she dies. Um, that's the end of the episode. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, <laughs> she dies um, on Malachor. Malachor. <laughs> Malachor, yeah, that's the one. Back to me. Um, where she fights Darth Vader, um, who obviously is her former master, Anakin Skywalker. Um, and she's like, hey, I would really like to not fight you and would like to help you because I think that maybe you're still a good person. And he's like, I will literally kill you. Um, and so then they fight and she basically gets trapped there and dies um, and then comes back in the world between worlds when Ezra Bridger's in there. Um, and he like basically sees her fighting Vader and like pulls her out, um, which is how she's able to like come back to life so to speak she was killed she yeah. did die yeah like the version that not- is her now is the version of her right before she died yeah time so- travel is weird because he like yeah he goes back to like that moment in time to save her um which that whole moment is about like because then he goes and he like is gonna save Kanan Jarrus because this is after Kanan has died and Ahsoka's like no but, like first of all you shouldn't have saved me but like Kanan died to save you guys and so if you save him then it like unravels the whole thing because time travel which does it like is that how the world between worlds works I who's to say I know very unclear of on how the world between worlds works but at least it allowed us to have Ahsoka back so I'll take it they took they took her I'm not gonna say she was fridged because she wasn't really but I was gonna say they took they took her out of the fridge and thought her, <laughs> but she didn't really die. For, well, she kind of did. She kind of did die for um, Ezra's character development because after that is when because that's the end of season two, and then in season three Ezra comes back as like this really emo boy, and he's like yeah. died and Kanan got blinded, and now I have to step up, and so yeah, I feel like they must have known also because like coming it doesn't seem like they created the world between worlds just to bring ahsoka back i'm still unclear on what we're doing with the world between worlds but it seems like it has a higher purpose (laughs) for some reason yeah what it is but (laughs) yeah i don't know i didn't watch the last episode of the ahsoka show i don't know how it works Um, but i still have no idea what's going on so Um, but yeah, she comes back to life in the at the very end of Rebels. Um, she gets pulled back through the world between worlds. Does she do anything? Not really. Okay. It's not so bad, yeah. but like it then it goes back to, you know, being about the ghost crew and she's like probably off doing her own thing. Um, yeah, I'm sure she's fucking shit up somewhere. Because like that show wasn't about her, which is why it's weird that they were like, let's make a show about her and act like it's a continuation of the show that was really not about her and that she wasn't even in that much, to be honest. Like she was, she had a like decent role in Rebels, but like not, she was really not in a lot of the show. And it was never, like she was never like the focus of that show. But it's okay. It's fine. <laughs> What's after that? Um. Okay. Well... What is out there? She appears in The Mandalorian and the Book of Books. Right. She appears in The Mandalorian first. And I'm going to say that episode was actually kind of fucking good. Yeah. Like, I I remember watching that and being like, oh, wow, Ahsoka is back. Like, we are so back. 
Um, I loved, I loved Rosario's take, Rosario Dawson's take on Ahsoka um, in that episode. I thought she, I, you could tell that there is a huge difference between where we left her at Rebels and where she was in The Mandalorian. Um, and I was eagerly waiting to figure out what happened to make her so stoic. Um, we still don't know. We still don't know. No, <laughs> not something that we know yet. So I'm still eagerly waiting to see what what happened there. Um, someone's gonna be like, someone's gonna add us on Twitter and be like, actually, this is what happened. It says it. If someone to ask me on Twitter says the word Sabine Wren to me about why it's so good like that, I'm literally gonna throw hands with them so no comment um anyways then you know she finds out Grogu is a Jedi uh, she names Grogu she's like hey his name is Grogu by the way everyone's been calling him Baby Yoda I still call him Baby Yoda I do I won't and it makes me so mad when people are like his name's Grogu and I'm like I don't care I don't care honest. <laughs> he's Baby Yoda to me and then so th- I don't know what happens. I'm Din like asks her to train Grogu because he's been like searching for a Jedi, and she's right. like, "No, I'm not going to do that because he has too much attachment to you." And like I've seen what that does to a Jedi, and like I'm not going to do it. But she doesn't. Okay, here's the thing: she doesn't say like he shouldn't be trained as a Jedi. She just says like I can't be the one to do it, which I think that people kind of interpret this as her being like Grogu shouldn't be a Jedi or like Grogu shouldn't be trained she just is like I personally can't do that which is wild because she trains Sabine Wren anyway we can't I have no comment on Star Wars continuity I have no comment on it I can't um what I will comment on is I don't actually remember I was gonna say but it was probably something really intelligent no it's gone it's fully gone the Next time we see Ahsoka is in the Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> She's with Luke Skywalker. Lord, this episode feels like a fever dream to me. Especially because it was in the Book of Boba Fett. Like, what why, why, why were they there? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. And it was the uh, second of like a two-part arc about yeah. Jaren in the middle of a show called The Book of Boba Fett. It, where Boba Fett was in though in those two episodes he probably had a total of like seven seconds of screen time. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Which was crazy uh, because people were all like, "Oh, I wonder if Ahsoka's gonna meet Luke Skywalker because like he's her former master's Pado or son, not Padawan." Um, and then they were just like hanging. Yeah, out. they know each other, by the way. And yeah, they they know any about each other. Okay, yeah. cool. Did you did you want to loop us into that like before? You just wanted to like drop that bomb there. And she literally says like so much like your father to him, meaning obviously she knows who he is and he knows who she is to Anakin. And I'm like, when did that conversation happen? Why didn't I watch it with my eyes? Could not. Yeah. Here is here is the one thing I will say, and this is a a story critique is or it's not even a story critique. It's a storytelling critique is that the shows that have been happening minus Andor. Um, so anything in the Filoni verse right now that's been happening, it is written in a way that assume that it, it is written in a way that 
assumes the audience knows as much as Dave Filoni knows. Because when you're writing something, any writer is going to write something and have all this inside information and all this like knowledge inside their brain with the like canon that they're creating, but that's not getting on the page. And it's just making people assume what had happened using context clues. And that is sometimes a great thing because then you can go back, you can backtrack. Um, One of my favorite examples on Star Wars is a lot of, there's a lot of space in Maz Kanata's character. Um, we don't, we still don't know how she got Luke's lightsaber. We might not know. Um, but we now know how she, you know, created her like pirate empire. Uh, we know a lot about her now that we did not when she was first introduced in The Force Awakens. And that is an example of holes being left on purpose in order to backtrack and create more, um, art more art more artwork more and that includes writing and tv show movies comics whatever but what these new shows are doing is like hey we're gonna assume that you can piece together what happened here which we can to a certain degree we can be like okay so at some point we can piece together that ahsoka and luke met and had a conversation about who they both were how did that happen because that is not something that is just surface level that is a very deep and traumatic conversation that they would would have had to have or a very traumatic experience for Ahsoka to find out that Anakin had a son that Padme died in childbirth we're forgetting that Padme is also Luke's and Leia's mother who Ahsoka knows knew before she died um didn't know that she had a kid two kids uh, with Anakin you know it's just like there's a lot there that needs the nuance that cannot be left to hey we're just gonna assume that you guys can piece this together that's not good storytelling there's also like the flip side of that too which is that like Ahsoka knew Luke's parents in a way that Luke himself never got like Luke never knew his mother at all and Ahsoka did know her pretty well and like yeah she was literally trained by his father who Luke only knew like through stories and like as Darth Vader and so to imagine that conversation for both sides for them of like you knew my parents in a way that I literally never got the opportunity to and like again he like his mother literally died when he was born like he never got the chance to get to know her like and Ahsoka did and can have that conversation with him. And they were just like, by the way, they're friends. By the way, they know all about each other. And it's like, okay, but like, why am I, like, why is that just something that happened off screen? Like, that's not, that's significant enough that like, we need to have seen it happen or it like shouldn't have happened already. And it should be something that like gets written in the future. And it was, yeah, that was crazy. Exactly. Like, there are things that are big in Star Wars that happen that we don't see on screen. The collapse of the Empire did not happen on screen because we know in the canon that it's not the the Battle of Endor. We know that. It's the Battle of Jakku, um, which was written into multiple books and a video game. That happened off screen. Like, we don't don't have that in a show or a movie. Um, Most people wouldn't know that. But that is something that isn't 
so imperative to certain main character storylines you know like that is something that like Iden Versio might have something to say about but we don't see her popping up in the Mandalorian they would never I actually don't think she's alive by then but still um you get my point some yeah anyways the point being there was a lot of context and nuance that did not get put into that conversation between Ahsoka and Luke in the book of Boba Fett moving on I don't know where she goes after that she just kind of disappears um and then she shows up in the Ahsoka show so now is the moment you go have all been waiting for our opinions on the Ahsoka show my opinion on the Ahsoka show is that it was made yeah my opinion on the Ahsoka show is like it's like it is negative in this way but it's more so just like I didn't like the emotional stakes were like nothing like I didn't care about anything that happened in that show outside of the fact that I already cared about these characters beforehand and I'm like do you know how hard you have to work to put Sabine Wren and Ahsoka Tano on my screen and have me be like whatever because it's pretty hard to do that you know how hard do you know how hard it is to make a show that has Chopper in it in live action and have me not finish the show. I'm going to talk about storytelling again because it's something I can talk about. One of the fatal flaws of the show and why it was why the stakes were so low through a storytelling perspective is they ended episode two with one of the main characters, Sabine Wren, getting a lightsaber through the stomach, um, making it seem like she was going to die. And then the next episode, they were like, no, you're fine. So then immediately you have set up your audience to know, oh, things that are crazy, like injuries can be fixed easily with very little recovery and very little trauma. That was a clean wound and a clean recovery. So now we're not worried about the characters dying. You did it again when you had the world between worlds thing. You had Ahsoka die, quote unquote, and then come back to the world between worlds. Um, it's just a, it is this, it's not resurrection technically because Sabine never died, but it's still a resurrection trope as like, you can't kill these characters. So we're not going to feel any stakes for them physically. Emotionally, we have no stakes all, like between Ahsoka and Sabine because what we know of their um relationship is that something happened in the past something happened in the past and we don't know what that was but maybe Sabine's family is dead okay and maybe that's something to do with it this is what pissed me off so bad because like they start the show and it's like okay Ahsoka's training Sabine which like I have some thoughts about that, but it, but that's besides the point. And there's this whole, like, something happened between them, but we don't know what. And at first I was like, okay, yeah, like, we have, what, like, nine episodes, eight episodes, however many. Like, you cannot tell me yet. And then, like, have this complicated relationship between them. And then, like, as the season goes on, it's, like, revealed what happened. And you're like, oh, okay, it all makes sense. I still have no idea what happened. I know that, Mandal- like, the purge on Mandalore happened which I already knew because I like watched the Mandalorian um and that Sabine's family died which was crazy because they just were like by the way Sabine's whole family died 
that was hateful that was hateful um but if we did an episode about Sabine I would go off but it's okay we're talking about Ahsoka um and then like some mysterious thing happened where like Sabine reacted poorly to her entire family dying yeah I'm sure she did and her entire planet destroyed makes sense and also by the way her best friend is like lost in space you know women are not supposed to react to their entire family dying did you see how leia reacted to her entire planet being blown up right in front of her including her family that is how a good woman should react to their entire family dying um and it's just like i like i see the thing with like sabine okay I'm sorry, I just have to say it. I'm so confused because the whole, the the thing, the like lore related thing that I got out of the Ahsoka series and like Sabine being trained because like she is not force sensitive, but then she like uses the force at the end to throw Ezra Bridger up onto Thrawn's ship across a distance that no Jedi, he's literally like, we can't make that jump. And she's like, I'll push you. You couldn't even lift a coffee cup, girl. And then suddenly she's using the force in a more powerful way than like some like trained Jedi we've seen. And I'm like, is the message here that like anyone can use the force if they try hard enough? Because I feel like that raises a lot of questions in like the entire Star Wars canon. Anyone can cook. Anyone can cook. Well, but it's like, I, and I understand there are like different levels of force sensitivity. Like that is a known thing. Like some people are inherently very strong with the force and some like, and then there's some Jedi, like that's the whole, not to talk about the High Republic again, but that was the whole thing with the mother and Olivia is that like, they're both force sensitive, but Olivia was the only one like strong enough to be on the Jedi's radar, radar, whatever. But like, that is so different from someone who in all accounts is not force sensitive. And they literally say they're like, you have like little to no connection to the force at all or not like like everyone is like connected to the force or like through the force whatever but like not in a way that they can like access it and then all of a sudden she is like using the force totally I'm gonna say something controversial I think we should bring back midichlorians uh no because things would make more sense to me if they were like you're level three out of ten force sensitive like that would be more clear to me than whatever is happening here and it's like okay I get the whole like the the emotional like stakes are so high like she has never been able to successfully use the force and now it's the only way and but like she believes in herself like I understand all of that but I just have to keep coming back to why does Sabine Wren need to be a Jedi I don't know. I really could not. So I don't actually know what scene you're talking about because I didn't watch it. Um, but it sounds <laughs> like to me that Sabine Wren actually could have, and hear me out, had a jetpack instead. Because she's a Mandalorian? She is a, yeah, she's a Mandalorian. That's crazy. So we could have... Uh, I'm. I don't know. I'm not the writer on the show. I don't have... Well, anyways, I don't. Yeah, I don't really understand what they were going for with that whole thing. And I'm like, there was a way to create like a sort of complicated, like somewhat troubled relationship with Sabine and Ahsoka that wasn't Master and Apprentice. And I think that would have been more interesting because we have seen a trillion Master and Apprentice relationships 
a lot of which are very complicated and have their issues but like the two of them we're already gonna go look for Ezra or we're going to work to like that's what the epilogue of Rebels is about Sabine is like standing there and Ahsoka shows up and she's like let's go find Ezra she doesn't say that but like we get it um and then I yeah I don't know I'm just quite I'm very confused like I don't really understand what we're doing there but anyway that's not really the point the point is that Ahsoka is training Sabine or like did train Sabine in the past and then they went their separate ways because of undisclosed event um and then they're back together now because they're like <laughs> with there's a map to Thrawn why is there a map to Thrawn I don't know that that was so funny to me they're like there's a map to Thrawn in like an ancient temple and I'm like what who who made a map to Thrawn how did you make a map to Thrawn how did you know where he was literally like it's crazy um, but anyway so they're like we need to go find Thrawn because he's gonna come back and like relaunch the empire sure he is when he I think this was this must have been in the final episode when he was like long live the empire I was like what are we even doing right now that definitely was in the last episode because I don't remember it I, unless I blacked out here's the the tease that I watched the finale for the first time today in December despite it coming out in October because I didn't really want to watch it uh because people told me what happened in it and I was like wow <laughs> sounds pretty bad um and then I did watch it today because I, I was like it's time I think um and it was crazy um but yeah they're gonna go find Thrawn because he's gonna restart the empire sure um and she takes Sabine with her. They're following this group of like Imperial remnant people. Morgan Elspeth is one of them. She's the woman from the Mandalorian who Ahsoka was like, where's Thrawn to? And also Balin Skrull, I think is his name. And his apprentice are also there. The uh, only person who there. is not present in this show is Ray Sloan, the person who quite literally started the First Order. It's just like, I. Uh, it would make more sense to me if it were like, okay, we know Morgan Elsbeth is like a Thrawn stan, like, okay, good for her. And so if it was like, okay, Imperial Remnants are like, we're going to go find Thrawn because we know he's out there and like, he's going to be the one to like, start the first order or whatever that make that part of it makes sense to me the part that doesn't make sense is why Thrawn is actively trying to start the empire again but but anyway I maybe maybe Thrawn oh my god galaxy brain oh I just figured it out I just figured season two of Ahsoka out god Thrawn is going back to the to the empire because he thinks that's where Eli Vanto is. And, and he misses his boyfriend. This all fits into my head, Canon, that Thrawn, that all the like long live the Empire stuff is an elaborate ruse he's created to get them to help him come back to the like normal. Um so that he can just go back to the just ascendancy. <laughs> yeah. It's all an elaborate ruse. Back for into, like I actually never cared about the Empire. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I don't actually, season two, he just like gets there and he's like, I actually did not ever give a shit about this. I am going to go back to the Ascendancy because I miss my friends and I need to get laid. Real. And you know what? Yeah. If that and was- he's, he's, he's so right for that. that. <laughs> 
<laughs> He's right. They find uh, they find Thrawn. They do. They find Ezra. That happens. And, Ezra. and then I don't know what happens because I stopped and watching. I felt a real emotion was Sabine and Ezra seeing each other again. Not even because it was like well written though, just because I was like Sabine and Ezra. <laughs> like I was doing all the work myself on that one. Um, but yeah, basically what happens in the finale. Um, I also was doing like 12 other things while I was watching it. So this is going to be a really bad synopsis. But what happens is Thrawn is like, okay, I'm going to go back to the like normal galaxy because they're in like a different galaxy. Still kind of confused about that, Uh, but it's fine. Um, And Sabine and Ezra and now Ahsoka is there because Ahsoka like put her ship on top of a whale and (laughs) was we're gonna go. imagine listening to this if you don't know anything about this show like there are giant whales that travel through every day it's fine um I love the because purple. they're like the whales are gonna lead us to Thrawn I don't know why the Pergil are like going to where Thrawn is but whatever um because they have spent a lot of time on Chiss Twitter and want to see what the hype is about you know what real um and so they like ride a whale to Thrawn um and then they they meet back up with Sabine and Ezra, um, and they're like, we have to stop Thrawn. And then they are like, okay, we need to get on Thrawn's ship before he goes back to our galaxy, because also we have no way to get back, so we will be stranded here. Um, and that's when they're like, they're closing in on the ship, and, and Ezra is like, we'll never make that jump. And Sabine's like, I'll push you. Okay. Um, and so then she does, and Ezra gets on Thrawn's ship, but then uh, Ahsoka is fighting Morgan Elspeth, and Sabine is like, oh shoot, I have to go help Ahsoka, so she doesn't get on Thrawn's ship with Ezra, and then Thrawn's ship leaves and goes back to the, like, standard Star Wars galaxy, um, and so basically with the show, the show ends with Ezra showing up at, I don't actually know where they are, one of the Republic bases, or the New Republic bases where Hera is and being like, I'm back. Um, and Sabine and Ahsoka are like stranded in this other galaxy, basically, which is why it feels, and Thrawn is now like back in the the galaxy with his like army that, yeah, presumably there is going to be a second season. I mean, I feel like there really has to be because it like res- absolutely nothing was resolved at the end of this season. And Sabine and Ahsoka are like stranded in another galaxy. Um, but yeah, that's what that's what happened. Well, that sounds really interesting. Um, I won't be tuning in, but thanks for that explanation. Um, and so now we're at the end of what we know about Ahsoka's Hano. We know that she is stranded on a planet in the middle of nowhere, and no one knows how to get to her. And Sabine Ren is there. And also, Shin Hati is there doing I don't know what. She's just there. Because they, like, fight her and they win. And then Ahsoka's like, I can help you. Like, just put down your weapon. And then Shin, like, runs away. And also, Balin is there. I don't know. I don't really know what. <laughs> what's okay. going on. But the whole squad's out. is stranded in a different galaxy, so. Awesome. That's so awesome and great. Um, and that is a wrap on Ahsoka Tano. Um, thank you for tuning in to our first episode back from hiatus. Um, any final thoughts about Ahsoka Tano? My final thoughts about Ahsoka Tano is that she slays so hard and that she really needs a 
woman to come in um I'm gonna and I'm gonna say it I think that she that she what she needs is a woman of color to come in to write her yep uh, enough of these white people no I 100% agree especially these men that's and that's like her being like like we we're literally talking about with like the two Brutas being enslaved and Star Wars being weird about it she is of a non-human species that we know is oppressed throughout the galaxy yeah they kind of never address it except for when they're doing a weird arc about slavery yep so yeah think on that star wars yeah my final thoughts about ahsoka are that i love her um she is one of my favorite star wars characters obviously um and I, despite my thoughts on certain parts of her arc and certain like things that she has appeared in, I do think that it is very cool that we've gotten to follow a character from literally when they were a baby until where she's at now. I think that it's, there are other characters we've seen at various points in their life, lives, but I think it is very unique to her, like how much we have a full picture of what her life looks like. Um, and so even when it's like, okay, this part of her story, I'm not like, totally sold on it's like okay but we have like really truly like a full we have seen her entire life up until the point where we are in the Ahsoka series and I think that that is very cool and it is I think one of the reasons that a lot of people really love her character is because we just like have seen a lot of her and a lot of it is actually quite good despite us literally being on here talking about how we hate everything but like actually a lot of it is very good um believe it or not really positive up until the end yeah like the clone wars there are some issues but like overall a slay ahsoka yeah. and rebels i love 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 ahsoka and rebels love love rebels yeah love rebels so oh my god i miss rebels maybe i need to rewatch rebels and then i'll like star wars <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Fulcrum Transmissions. Please feel free to send us questions. You can DM them to us on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. If you enjoy our podcast, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We would really appreciate it. Once again, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode.